Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Well, it's awesome to be here today as we gather. What an incredible day. Wasn't it great to wake up, actually see a little bit of the sun this morning? What an amazing day to be here to worship and enjoy each other. I also want to, you know, reference yesterday. I don't know if you caught the Ohio State game. That was pretty amazing. Uh, But being from Michigan, Michigan State, pretty great game yesterday as well. For those of you who uh, were watching, how many people saw that game? I love you. All right. I want you to know that. Uh, So glad that you're here today and so glad to be talking about what we're talking about today. It's really being family. And in light of what we say is the MCC family around here, I want to invite you to something that's actually happening here today at 1215. We have our Meet the Pastors lunch. And we're re-engaging with this again as uh, we're now in this new season. And so if you are here for the first time, if you've been here 50 times and you'd like to know more about our church and get to meet some of the pastors, I'm going to be there. It is lunch on us and I encourage you to come today at 1215. And if you'd like to avail yourself of that opportunity, stop by there at the welcome desk and they'll get you all connected into all of that. Well, as I was thinking about today, I was thinking about us. You know, think about this. Don't you just love how God made us all different from one another? I mean, as I look around this room, I see people who are very different from one another, and I got to tell you, I've never seen something quite so beautiful. I mean, as I look around this room, some are tall, some are short, some are thin, some are advancing. You know, some have curly hair, some have straight hair, some have no hair at all. Contrary to society, some are males, some are females. And some here are black, brown, white, but all are beautiful. Some are creative, others are administrative, some are dreamers, and still others are implementers. And right here in this place and online, some of you are introverts, some of you are extroverts. I mean, wouldn't life be boring if we were all the same? You see, God made us all different from one another in order to reflect his creative nature. A nature rooted in the kind of love that will provide us all of these wonderful differences so we can just appreciate them and glorify him and enjoy each other. God's good. The psalmist put it this way. He says, I cry to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. See, the psalmist points to a reality for all of us, that given our creative differences, there is at least one way in which we are all the same. Within the heart of every single person, both here and online, is the desire to live for more, to make your life count. The problem, I think, in society is that many people misconstrue what more is all about. For them, living for more means looking more and more successful, which means buying that expensive house, taking that expensive vacation, getting that SUV that they really don't need, or buying new clothes when what they have is actually enough. And so in their pursuit of living for more, they end up actually living for less. After all, friends, one can never live for more apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet still they try. And so through one pursuit after another, they endeavor to leave their mark. But I would ask, is it our mark we should be concerned with? Is it? 
James, the brother of Christ, he tried to get the people of his day to focus on the right kind of mark they should be leaving. And he wrote these words. He says, now listen to you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. So we all make plans. What kind of plans are you making? Because when it comes to the plans that are made for today or tomorrow, I think people in our society largely fall into one of three categories. You might argue there's four. Uh, the first category would be people who are unable to make the kind of impact they desire to make. They're unable. I think about my father. I spoke about him last week. He was injured when I was just 10, never able to work again. And people like my father are the very people who would greatly benefit from our love, encouragement, and support. Paul says it this way, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have received from God. What that means for us is that when someone we know is sick, when they're injured, seriously handicapped, or they really just can't find a job, we should comfort them. We should help them. We should support them in some way. These precious people are different than the people that fall into the second category, people who are too lazy to make the kind of impact God desires for them to make. And we've seen this grow more and more in our society over this pandemic. I mean, the news covers it, it seems like, all the time, that all across our country there are now people who just don't want to work. They don't want to use the gifts that God has given them to impact pretty much anybody. And Scripture is really clear about such people. The Old Testament states it this way, he who gathers crops in the summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So disgraceful, in fact, the New Testament puts it this way, the one who is unwilling, keyword there, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. That means there's no free ride, no free paycheck that comes in the mail. I'll get emails on that one, but that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. And then there's a third category that James addresses here in James chapter 4. People who are too busy to make the kind of impact God desires for them to make. See, in the pursuit of making an impact, in our pursuit of leaving our mark and living for more, we can get busy real fast. Busy going here and busy going there. Busy making plans and busy getting frustrated when our plans are thwarted. And that's why due to our tendency to run helter-skelter lives, James asks us this really essential question. I want you to think about it. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Friend, you may consider your life to be successful, stressful, restful, purpose-filled, or not so much. Whatever the case, don't forget the lesson that James holds out for us today. Did you see it? Did you hear it? He said, this is you. Did you see yourself there? Isn't that beautiful? In case you missed it, some of you weren't watching, you know, you checked out for a moment. This is you. You are a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. So what are you doing? with the one life God has given you and the time you have left. We are that. What are you doing with your life? 
Are you making an impact to the glory of God? Are you living for more or are you living for less? We are vapors. And knowing this, friends, it should cause us to kind of look at things deeper because we know that the reason why inside we, we desire really, all of us do, to make an impact and leave a mark is because God created us with an overwhelming sense of purpose. But it's impossible to live out our purpose if we're really not experiencing him, if we don't know him. So I want you to think about a few things today. Knowing my purpose, it starts with this idea that says, you know what, God created me to know him, to know him. In fact, in John 17, Jesus prays the longest prayer we find in the Bible. And at the very beginning of this prayer, Jesus clarifies why he came. He came to bring eternal life. And then he defined what he meant by that. He said, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God created you with a purpose to know him, to enjoy him, and be with him forever. But that's not all. Listen with the mindset as well that says, God created me to love him. And not with a casual kind of love, a convenient love, but with a love that is deep, abiding, and incredibly strong. You see, he created you so that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So God created you to know him and to love him. Do you? Do you? You might say, why? I know God. Do you love him? Do you love him? And how does that love manifest itself? Because if we love him, we're naturally going to live out the third way we're created to to live. God created me to glorify him. Now, in the New Testament, the word glory actually means dignity, honor, praise, and worship. That's why the Old Testament says it this way. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. That's everybody. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering, that's your life and what you do with your life and what you're bringing him and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. So basically you glorify God with all of your life and breath. After all, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. It's all a gift from him. So we glorify God with how we love God. We glorify God with how we love others. And we glorify God when we thank him for who he is and really we just worship him for all that he's done and all that he's about to do. There's so many ways we can glorify God. Now I hear what some of you are thinking right now. You're saying, okay, Phil, that's great. I actually want to do all those things. I mean, that's the right thing to do. But how does what you're talking about actually help me to make an impact? How does that help me to leave my mark? Well, remember what I referred to earlier. If it's our mark we're concerned with, or rarely ever make an impact. Sure, after we die, people might say, well, did you know that he was the one who created a brand new product line? Or did you know that she was the one who moved all the way up to be president of the company? And it's wonderful, and I never want to take anything away from such accomplishments, but let me just say the truth here. That's not necessarily making an impact. What motivates a person in all of this? Paul said it this way, and whatever you do, what do you do? When you wake up tomorrow morning, what do you do? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Have you ever just stopped? 
So God, thank you for what you've given me to do. I want to glorify you in every single moment. So what's your motivation? Because the motivation for everything we do is to glorify God. And when that's the case, then we're going to live out the fourth reason for which we were created. God creates me, created me to serve him and serve others. Paul said it this way, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's why God's gifted you. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Do you know your gifts? And God has called you according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Do you know your gifts? Here's the thing. Many people, they don't. They, they bypass them. They miss them because you take them for granted. Many times people, you know, they think what I do is just so natural to me, it's no big deal. And so if you don't know your gifts, I encourage you to ask someone around you who knows you well. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. And when you hear them speak into your life, don't set aside those words. Don't minimize it. Because your gifts are most likely the things that come most naturally for you to do. God's gifted you. He's called you according to his purpose. And when we understand this, it's important for us to understand something else as well. That when you live for more and I live for more, the impact will not always look the same. It's why Paul said, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So often making an impact, right? It's, it's, it's a team effort. It means we live with a heart set and a mindset that says we're all in. And with what goal in mind? Well, Paul said it this way, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So if we're really going to make an impact, it's going to be by putting ourselves in the best position to grow in Christ's likeness. Are you doing that? Because there's a lot of things that impedes us from doing so. I call it vapor living. You know, did the stock market really fall 2,000 points today? Vapor. If I don't get into the right college, it's going to ruin my life. Vapor. Should we buy a boat like our neighbors just did? Vapor. Should we buy new every two? Vapor. I just found a scratch on my brand new floor. Vapor. You know what? It sounds good, but I don't have time to serve. I got to get my hair done. Vapor. <laughs> Friends, I don't want you to have the same priorities of others in this world. I want you to make an impact in God's world. Are you? What are you doing with the gifts God has given you? And what are you doing with the time you have left here? Remember, James asked, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And that's a game changer. That's an impact maker. Asking what the Lord's will is and then doing it? Can you imagine the outcome? Well, I want you to. And I think imagining the outcome starts really with the options that are out there in front of you. It's why last weekend we talked about the serving tables out there, that you can really serve your fellow family members here by using your God-given gifts. They're out there again today, and I encourage you to go up to a table, find out more, and see how you can contribute. I encourage you to do that. But I also want us to kind of think outside the walls today as well with the gifts that God has given you. What are the options out there? Well, there's, there's many. But today, before I move on, I just want to kind of give you this particular option. And I want you to think, as you're watching this video, 
God, do you want to use me in this way? Take a look. This was my first mission trip, and I didn't know what to expect. So I went to Monterey with an open heart and an open mind. I knew that I would have uh, the love and care of those members from MCC that were on a trip with me, but I didn't expect all the love and care that I received from other group members and the back-to-back -back staff as soon as we stepped off the airplane. One of the things I was so impressed with was the act of caring. This was modeled beautifully from the staff at Back to Back, and I began to consciously model, it, model this also for other MCC members and members in our group, as well as those at the HOPE program and at Casa de Norte. I love to travel and I love to serve others. So signing up for the mission trip in the middle of a pandemic may have sounded crazy and scary to some, but knowing the God that I serve and the organization that we are serving with, I had full confidence that we would be taken care of as we worked to be the hands, the feet, and the heart of Jesus. This pandemic has not changed God's calling on our lives. We are still called to show his love to our neighbors, both locally and globally. MCC has an amazing heart for missions. Every year we give more than a half a million dollars to 30 organizations and missionaries in more than 10 countries all over the world. We give because we want people everywhere to know Jesus and experience his love in tangible ways. And we also go because we want to take the gospel message and support our partners in those countries. Next year we're looking forward to three mission trips. First to Mexico in June with Back to Back. Next to Nicaragua in July with Rio del Sol and finally to India in November with Partners India. Will you prayerfully consider where God might be calling you to make an impact in the lives of people? As you heard from the team, this is an opportunity that could change your life. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Will you join me? As you watch that, I hope you're asking yourself a question. How do I seek God's will for my life so that I can make an impact with my life? How do I do that? Well, first, I make an impact when I commit every decision to God. Every decision to God. And that requires something earlier we talked about that we know God, that we know his word, we know what it says. There are a lot of voices in our culture that want to impact your decisions. There's a lot of redefining of terms, redefining of things out there that's confusing. And so in order to you know, really live your life, it starts by committing your every decision to God. But be clear about who he is and what he's saying. And I say this in light of our last series we were in. We talked about, you know, really this doubting, moving beyond doubt, that in our culture today, there are so many different voices, even coming from churches and pastors that are redefining things, confusing people, so we don't really know what the truth is any longer. I just moved to Landon, which is just down the street, and as I turn out left from where I'm at, I came across a church. I was going to show this, and I thought, I better not, but it's, it's out there right now. Think about this phrase when it comes to you know, letting God's word guide you and your every decision before him. Right out on their front sign as you drive by, they want to let you know what their church is about, 
We take the Bible seriously, but not literally. We take the Bible seriously, but not literally. Any problems with that? Everything in the Bible points to a literal truth, friends. Everything in the Bible. Yes, sometimes we see metaphors. Jesus says, you know, I am the light of the world. He's not literally saying I'm a candle. He's pointing to a literal truth that he shines the light, the truth out there. Right? We talked about hyperbole. And sometimes hyperbole is used to help people understand a literal truth. And then there's all kinds of literal language in the Bible. We got to be really careful in this culture we're living in that we know God, we know his word, and we stand firm upon it as we display his love in this world. We got to be careful. Be careful. And in light of that, I commit every decision to God. Because if you do, you're going to end up where God wants you to go, not where society wants you to go, your neighbor wants you to go, where your comfort longs for you to go. It requires trusting in him. As Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will direct your paths. So committing every decision to God requires trust and obedience. So every day you get up, you wake up, and it's a rainy day, it's a sunny day, it's a cloudy day, whatever day God's given you, say, God, what do you want me to do? I know the plans that I have, but what do you want me to do today? And God, when do you want me to do that? I want to be flexible. And then how do you want me to do that? Lord, I really want to hear you clearly. So I make an impact when I commit every decision to God and when I commit every gift to God. Every gift. And that means we embrace the process of discovering our gifts. As I said, ask somebody around you if you don't know. They might be very, one, very clear in telling you, oh, when I, when I see you do this, oh man, God's got his hand all over that. But we have to discover our gifts. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. So when it comes to the body of Christ, the Bible clearly tells us that some are the hand, some are the foot, some are the eye, some are the nose, but no one gets to say no to serving. We are all in. We have gifts and we use them. That's why the Bible says, now you are part of the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Paul is looking at all of us saying, you know, each one of us is a part of the body. And when that body is functioning, it's like a runner winning a race, blazing fast. As I thought about that, I thought about me. I mean, about five years ago, I used to be a runner. Um, and I, I ran pretty much every single day. I loved it. I wasn't crazy. I just did three miles a day. No big deal, right? But I ran every single day. And then I went out one morning and did my stretches I always did. And I started to run, and within like 60 seconds, there was like fire coming in the back of my leg. It killed, and it stopped me in my tracks. I had no idea what in the world was going on. So I thought, well, I'll just rest for a while. I won't run for the next week. You know, it'll get better. And then I went out to run that next time, and I got like three steps. I just couldn't do it. I didn't know that at that point I had torn my hamstring. I needed surgery. All I knew is that I couldn't run anymore. It's hard for me to even sit anymore. 
all I could do was limp. And at that point in my life, I looked like many churches today. Churches that are limping around. Churches that are ineffective because not every part of the body is doing its part. It's not fully functioning. Friends, we as a church are not called to limp. We are called to glorify God with everything we've got. That means we, we, we live with this mindset and hearts that says, God, how do you want me to use me? Where do you want me to use me? And what is going on in here that I need to submit to you so you can use me fully? And as each one of us seeks God's will, we're going to live with a mindset that says, I commit every decision to God then. I commit every gift to God. And I commit every opportunity to God. Do you remember what James said? We're to live in such a way that if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So friends, whatever the Lord's will is for you today actually is found in the opportunities he's placed before you today. You ever thought about that? We have our plans. But have you ever thought about the opportunities you're bypassing because all you're doing is looking at your plans? Acts 3 is a beautiful example for how we should live. It says this in verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. So as James said elsewhere, we all tend to make our plans. And so Peter and John clearly had a plan in mind when you read the text. They were going to the temple to pray. That's it. Nothing more. That was their goal. Now if they live with an attitude that said today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city because we have our own plans... Then they'd be on the lookout for nothing else in that city other than the proper place to pray. But do you know what happened? As Paul told us, God often has good works in mind to accomplish, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that means we live with, the, with our eyes wide open for every opportunity before us. And we avoid any fear of failure as we step into the opportunity God has placed before us now. And that's why there's another story within this story that really would soon become part of their collective story. The Bible says in verse 2, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. So on their way to accomplish their agenda, Peter and John ran into a lame beggar asking for help. Now again, if they had lived with an attitude that said today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, they would have blown right by that man in need in order to really accomplish some really good prayer time. But they had previously committed their decisions to God, their gifts to God, which would soon impact the opportunity God had placed before them. That's why it says in verse 4, Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. See, friends, we can't give another a gift we don't possess. We can't. But when we have committed our decisions to God along with our gifts to God, when an opportunity arises before us, we freely offer others the gifts we do possess. And that's why we find these words. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Don't you love that? I love that. Think about how this impacts your life. 
Because here, here's the deal. They looked at this guy and says, you know, we don't have the gift of money, but we do have the gift of healing. So be healed in Jesus' name. And now that you're healed, well, why don't you come join us? Because originally, we were going to the temple to pray and glorify God. So why don't you join us as we pray and glorify God together? Friends, that's called living for more. That's what it's all about. So let me ask you again. What is your life? What is it? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But before you vanish from this earth and you enter into the gates of heaven if you're a follower why not in the meantime use the gifts God has given you wherever you have an opportunity in your workplace right here in the church in our community out in the world through our second Saturday serve opportunities you see friends God has given us gifts to use in this life so that we will glorify him so I say let's glorify him together. Will you pray with me? Dear Father, we thank you for seeing such value in us. Many times when we take a close look at our lives, we wonder why. It's because you're all loving. You are good. Lord, thanks for going the distance for us all the way to the cross so that we could have a relationship with you. And when we repent, we believe, we receive your salvation. At that point, we've entered into the family of God, a family that's devoted to one another and glorifying you as we use our gifts to help each other, serve each other. So Lord, today I pray for each person here and those online, Lord, help them to identify their gifts. What are they? You've given them to these wonderful people. And Lord, once we know our gifts, Grow us in compassion. Help us to be people of compassion. Because many times we know what we're good at, but we lack the heart to, to really care for another. So grow us in compassion. Then when we see somebody struggling physically or spiritually or emotionally, we'll step into the opportunity you've placed before us using the gifts that you've given us. Help us, Lord, to uniquely in those moments minister to their pain and their spiritual needs. Lord, help us to live for more by glorifying you in all that we say and all that we do. May our lives be a sacrifice. May our lives be a moment by moment, day by day, worship offering to you. This is our prayer. Lord, with your help, may it be so. To the glory of you, God, and your glory alone. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.